when I think of innovation, the brand that comes to mind for me, Butterball. Butterball? Like as in the turkey. Okay. David Letterman used to do the deal where he would call the Butterball like hotline or whatever. Remember they had like the help desk? Yeah. Well, you may not know this, but they added texting and Twitter as an option in 2016. Oh, wow. And even built an Alexa skill in 2018. Oh. This year, folks, TikTok. Butterball's turkey talk line experts are headed to TikTok this year to try out viral food trends. Wow, they really are innovative. How about that? And here I thought you were just going to mention the fact that they have that little thermometer that pops out when the turkey's ready. That clearly is probably a TikTok dance or something. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. And welcome to sub number 251 of TikTok. No, just kidding. <laughs> Touchpoint. This is Reed Smith. That's Chris Boyer. <laughs> hey, Reed. Now we're recording live uh, on our way over the hill and through the woods to grandmother's house we go, right? Something like that. Something like that. So, no, uh, welcome. We know this is Thanksgiving week. Uh, if you're listening, we certainly appreciate it. If you're listening to this after your food coma, uh, welcome. If this is your first time, welcome. Certainly appreciate it. What we're going to do this week, uh, similar to what we've done on some holidays in the past, but is bring back kind of a best of and, you know, as in case you missed it, and we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. Before we do, though, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. You can find out more about this episode, all of our back catalog of now 250 episodes, 250 strong as of last week. And uh, you can find out more about the other shows on the network. So we're going to take a quick pause, and then uh, we'll be back and uh, let you know what you're going to hear today. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. So for this week, folks, we are going to rerun an episode from June the 5th, 2019, which was episode number 122. Uh, Title of the episode, The High Stakes of Digital Marketing and Healthcare. Really great episode. We were actually joined by uh, Brian Davis. Uh, He's over at Scorpion Healthcare 
He talked a little bit about the importance of building a digital philosophy, which I thought was really interesting. But before that, you and I really talked about the fact that, you know, what we do is a, you know, we're doing it in a purpose-driven industry. I still think that holds true today too, even more so through the pandemic, people that are coming to work in hospital settings and healthcare settings, and even on teams like mine and yours, right around digital, coming to that to, to work in healthcare, they're they're there for a purpose. They want to do something for the good, for the common good. So that's kind of resonant in this episode. If you start doing digital marketing within hospitals and health systems, I like to think that there is sort of a higher purpose or a calling to what we do. Today's topic um, is going to be really important for us to cover in, in our episode. And we have a lot of great stuff to, to chat about today, don't you think? I think so. And of course, you know, this is less about the technical aspect of what we do or the ins and outs of a particular platform or a strategy or anything like that. But, you know, you just said it, a higher purpose. And, and I think, um, you know, one of the things is that I don't want people to think that just because, you know, they don't happen to work in a clinical role. You know, sometimes in, in the marketing arena, it feels like, well, we could just do this anywhere. And mm-hmm. I guess there probably is some truth to that. And, you know, we talk about the length and the longevity of the roles and in, in, in the time, you know, people have spent at organizations. And, and the reason for that, I think, or I've kind of come to believe is that, you know, people in the marketing or the administrative side uh, of the equation have just as much of a calling to this uh, in many cases as the uh, clinical folks do. I agree with you 100%. I mean, honestly, I, I know that I do digital marketing, and, and that's something that I like to do. But quite frankly, it's it, it's easy for me to do that in this space because the marketing aspects is really a way to help people, if you think about it. It's a way to get people to get access to our care. It's a way to help you know clarify things. That is a big part of this calling or this higher purpose. And in fact, when I interview people for the roles, and I mentioned this before, I really try to keep get a sense of new people that want to come in and work at, at healthcare, if they are motivated the same way, not that that is a differentiator if they're, you know, if I hire them or not, but most of the people that do want to come work in digital marketing in hospitals and health systems, they're there because of that higher purpose. Yeah, because you know you can make a good living doing this. I, I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent. But you know, working at a hospital, you know, typically is not going to be your your path to to wealth and riches. No, <laughs> I mean you're you're doing this because uh, you like it. You want to be there. You want to do it. You know, the work is uh, satisfying. It's fulfilling. You know, those types of things. And again, I'm not trying to slight, you know, obviously as you in your career, make your way up the proverbial ladder, you're going to make more money, certainly, and you can make a good living doing this. But uh, there may be ways to quicker wealth and riches than than this path. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, people that do this, they want to do it. That's certainly true. I mean, we recently did a competitive level set of our wages at our health system because we're not paid at market rate. And and if you think about like, you know, other high tech companies or agencies, which are really looking for digital marketing people, they tend to pay a lot better. But really, it's that that purpose driven aspect of what we do, right? We're here to promote the common good or, or, or health or, you know, it's it, this is much more than like, selling widgets. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you make you make more money doing that, but I think at some point it's it's a little hollow, right? I mean, I'm glad everybody has a calling in that people like to do different things. I mean, we need that, right, for the world to go around. But this is a neat space. And, and I think, 
you know, you're doing it because of a, of a higher purpose or you feel called to it, or, you know, this is where you feel you're, you're reaching a certain level of satisfaction because you feel like you're doing meaningful work because we're in a purpose driven industry. Absolutely. And what we deal with, what we broker, so to speak, or what we're selling online is health and wellness information that can help the greater good, right? If we think about like social media, for most major health systems, what they're doing is they're on their social media accounts and other places, they're creating a lot of content that's designed to help people make better healthcare decisions. That's a lot easier to, to stomach, so to speak, if that higher calling as opposed to maybe like, you know, selling shoes not that there's anything wrong with selling shoes i like shoes And then, you know, the other thing, too, is like a lot of times we're really focusing on when we look at consumer journeys and we look at journey mapping, really what we're providing is ways for people to access their care a lot easier. We're, we're trying to remove the friction so that people who are typically have a very tough time maybe making an appointment or just trying to find the right phone number or whatever. A lot of times our customer journey is to make that a lot easier for our audiences. It is. You know, it's it's interesting because I think, you know, the customers that we deal with, to your point, and, you know, what they need from us, you know, much like uh, you, you would deal with in a clinical setting, we're trying to reduce anxiety as well. And, you know, we're trying to make sure that people can find what they need to find and navigate where they need to navigate to and get the services that they need to get. And I think that that plays a very large role into that level of comfort uh, reduce anxiety, improved outcomes, all the things that we've talked about on the clinical side of the equation on why we do certain things that we do, scripting, discharge phone calls, you know, things like that, that we've, we've talked about, shift change handoffs, et cetera. We, we do the same thing in the marketing side of the equation for the same reasons, for the same, you know, we, we want to make it you know easy on people. And, you know, at a, at a time that even if it's an exciting time, you're coming in to have a baby. Well, there's still a certain level of stress there and anxiety. I hope this goes well, especially first time parents, you know, not knowing what to expect or where to go or where to park. And, and we can influence and impact all of those pieces. I think that's a really important part of the work that we do. The other thing as digital marketers, we actually can use digital channels in a way to maybe reach others that are maybe harder to reach through traditional means, if you think about it. Look at anybody of any kind of socioeconomic level. They're connected somehow to the internet. I I read a study recently that says, you know, that smartphones are not just reserved for people on the higher echelons of our social stratus. Cell phones, smartphones are really becoming commonplace with everybody in the United States. And think about as a digital marketer, we can actually use our the, these smartphones that are in, in the pockets of virtually everybody in our community in a smart uh, way and to, to reach them and communicate with them. You know, this is when you start getting into, you know, access, you know, just access to healthcare in general, not just access to the internet or technology and, and things like that and the social determinants of health. And you know, sort of getting into a lot of those, those conversations. Because I think, you know, as, as technology has evolved and consumerism has become what it is, the role of, of the marketer, uh, not just even digital marketing, but marketing in general and communications uh, within hospitals and healthcare organizations you know, we're getting to a place that is becoming more and more important and, and the, the stakes are much higher 
right, than they used yeah. to be. You know, we're not just creating collateral that's, oh, it's nice to have. And it sits in a rack somewhere on a, you know, in a lobby or you know, whatever it is, you know, or we're not just making graphics or, you know, whatever it may be. All that stuff's still obviously useful and, and goes into the equation. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a higher stakes um, place that we participate now. You know, and if you go down and follow, keep following that path down, right, a lot of times we go into the ROI of like the success of your marketing efforts, what's the return on investment? You know, a lot of times when we're starting to measure it, and I've said this before, at, at you know, um, most notably at the let, latest healthcare internet conference, to me, it's not just about the ROI, it's return on health, the ROH, right? Because if we can get more people scheduled for a cr- like a, a screening or more people to get access to a primary care when they need it, or maybe divert them to urgent care or whatever it might be, at the end of the day, you could start tracking that back to you can actually be measurably impacting through digital marketing the health of your community. Right. That's, um, I don't know if I want that much responsibility. <laughs> can we, can we just wind it back to, uh, the good old days of newsletters and billboards and you know, that, you know, nothing was terribly measurable. So you could kind of hide behind that. It, it is, it's, it's, uh, you start saying it out loud and it gets pretty weighty. It does. It's almost intimidating. I mean, the good news is level setting, right? We still struggle with ROI, let alone ROH. But I think that's the goal, right? That's the noble goal that we're going after. But the other things that are measurable that we can do for our our organization is we're not companies that are flush with cash, right? We're spending a lot of the, the monies that we have as an organization on supporting patient care. If you look at digital and what digital marketing can do, it really kind of aligns with the fact that it helps us to be better stewards of the expenses that we incur for healthcare. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say we spend the majority of our money on marketing FTEs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that may be too. (laughs) No, no, we probably should. We probably should spend a little more around some of those uh, data science roles and analytics and you know some of the technology roles but anyway that's another that's another topic for another day but it, but you're right you know the margins are slim um, you know we have to be a good steward of, of the money that we do have and not just money like there, there's budget there's a line item or there's multiple line items or a whole lot of line items I guess related to marketing communications but also the the employees, the internal communications and and again we'll get to this in a second, but kind of how that bleeds into other parts of the organization. But it, it's the manpower, it's the knowledge base, uh, the money, you know, all that we need to be good stewards of. Right. And digital, digital marketing in particular, is often seen as more effective because we target more efficiently. We can accomplish less with more, so to speak, right? Um, that's the whole promise and purpose of that, getting away from the, the old billboards and the radio spots and even the TV ads that we don't know how effective they are. Digital allows us to do things in a little bit more effective ways. It does. At least that's the promise, right? And and we've, we've seen uh, it start to trend that way over the last several years. And so... Um, I think we have, again, being good stewards of, of the knowledge there, that's one of the things that we have to lead and know and, and own so we can continue to move in that direction. 
Well, there are a couple of other things that we probably should talk about, but why don't we take a brief pause here to hear from one of our sponsors, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll kind of round this out and then talk a little bit about the interview we're going to hear from later in the show. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. So, you know, as we as we think about why we do this, you know, what we've done historically, I guess, to some degree, why it's important, some of those types of things. I think, you know, as we talked about the evolution of the technology before the break, and uh, I think one of the things that's allowed for, um, and I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about, you know, things that we've done on the clinical side to try to reduce anxiety, uh, improve outcomes, things like that. That's just one example that we're now doing in, on the digital side, right? And so we're starting to see the lines blur a little bit. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but the lines blur between what historically has been thought of as marketing, communications, now digital marketing, you know, where, where does that reside, you know, and we can't, mm-hmm. we can't operate in these silos, especially as we start thinking about how people interact and what they expect from the organization, right? So, you know, marketing, and then you say patient experience, well, there's an awful lot of overlap there. Oh, yeah. The, the whole concept of patient experience, I think, maybe stemmed or it should have stemmed from the digital marketing suite. But, you know, a lot of times that does come from patient relations or, or understanding, you know, maybe the clinical care that we're being delivered. But you and I have talked about and just referenced, you know, virtually every other podcast we've done. We've talked about how patient experience and, and digital marketing are so aligned together because we're ultimately after the same goal, which is trying to make sure that entire experience from an unidentified patient to maybe a potential patient to a patient, you can apply all the breadth of digital marketing tactics and techniques to support that, to make that more more efficient. Absolutely. And I think when you look at at things like, when you start talking about patient experience and and you were looking at the early to mid 2000s, when, when some of that really became a big deal with the Baptist Leadership Group, the Studer Group, you know, and, and and onward, a lot of what you were seeing was focused on what happened within the brick and mortar, within the walls of the organization. Some of it expanded outside of that with like discharge phone calls, right? But it was still about the experience they had within your walls. Then websites became what they became, and we started realizing that their experience paying their bill, finding a physician, booking an appointment, you know, whatever it may be, was important. That was part of that equation. And, oh, wait a minute, now people can write things online about us and rate us and review us and things like that. Well, we should should probably know what they're telling us about their experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's where where we end up with a lot of this. That's that's where marketing kind of got a seat at the table because, you know, we we man and are, are in charge of those things. 
And it goes even further than that, Reed. I mean, if you think about like service line or clinical care, uh, a lot of times digital marketing has been sort of the voice of the customer, so to speak, right? When you are talking with doctors and you're, you're, you're maybe meeting with the service line leaders, because a lot of times what they do is they focus on, um, you know, growing their, their, their service line, they're growing their practice, and they may lose sight of the actual customer or that customer experience, so to speak. And a lot of times digital can bring that right side and front and center because you could say, hey, look, while we may want to, you know, you may want to put the, the letter A in the word orthopedics, quite frankly, consumers don't think that way. They don't search that way. And that's not what they're looking for, right? And that's just one small example, mm-hmm. the way you spell orthopedics. But there's so many other things that you can think about. Whenever we talk to clinicians or we talk to physicians, a lot of times we as digital marketers are the ones that are the sort of the voice of the customer. Absolutely. And again, that if you go back and listen to one of our recent shows on you know, you start talking about things like taxonomy and, and some some language, even natural language processing when you're looking at AI and things like that. You know, that's really where, again, us being good stewards of, of the knowledge uh, can really influence some of this. You know, IT is obviously, uh, or IT and S, uh, or information systems, or kind of however your organization frames that. that that's another one, obviously, that uh, for a long time, kind of participated on its own and marketing was somewhat separate. Then there became a little bit of an overlap because somebody had to know what a server was, you know, with websites <laughs> and things like that. And, and then, you know, uh, again, with the Internet, you know, IoT or Internet of Things and all the connected devices within the organization, uh, certainly the digital marketing uh, pieces that you're doing and how data is being pushed and pulled across the Internet those folks, uh, uh, you know, are going to be very uh, adapted at understanding, you know, what you can and can't do from a privacy, PHI, you know, kind of related uh, thing. So, you know, you're going to have them and need them and their expertise and knowledge to do a lot of the digital marketing that you're wanting to do. If you think about it, digital and digital marketing a lot of times can be the glue that kind of holds together all of these different silo departments. And oftentimes we in the digital marketing role are the ones that are willing to extend that hand and say, Hey, look, let's us work together because together we can be more effective. At least in my experience, that's what I found. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. It is the glue. I mean, you know, that kind of holds everything together just because of that's, that's the way people want to participate via communications we make fun of millennials in kind of the next generations, but that, you know, they don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to talk on the phone, quite honestly. You know, so we, we, we need to be able to communicate and engage with organizations um, in the way that we want, whether that's, uh, you know, through a portal, through text messages, through apps, uh, whatever it may be, or a phone call. Uh, you know, people need to be able to communicate with us and get done what they need to get done in, in a timely fashion in the way they want. So true. So true. Now, one of the last things I think would good to mention is the fact that we as digital marketers often fill that critical role of really helping to understand what our customers want really adopting that sort of that patient first approach. And we see that in, in many different ways. I think one of the first and most earliest uh, signs of that is knowing that digital marketing 
you can measure it. You can measure a lot of things. And we were occasionally, I mean, even, you know, I remember a decade ago, we were measuring things that were almost saying what the consumer intent is, you know, tracking Google analytics and tracking how people flow through the website. These are things that, you know, well before we actually did formalized customer journey mapping, these are things that we were using to help understand customer intent. Intent's an interesting one, right? Because your your actions or, or your perceived actions online do not necessarily tell you what the intent was, right? It was just what they could end up doing. Right, right. So that that's an interesting one. And I think one that, you know, probably warrants a separate episode all into itself. Well, and if you think about it too, Reed, I mean, think about like websites uh, where you have customer feedback on websites. I have seen that happen and those are been implemented in digital marketing ways well before we actually became more, shall we say, more uh, more sophisticated at we were at how we were tracking patient experience, right? And then we've done some episodes in the past about like even online reviews and how online reviews may actually paint a much better picture of what that actual patient experience is than like your press gaming review uh, surveys. Sure. Yeah, because again, you know, it's like we're not necessarily always measuring the same thing. You know, we want them to, you know, they're both about experience, but one's about consistency where one is more of a verbatim of, of what happened. You know, it's a, it's an overview of a scenario. I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So, I, yeah, we, we're at a very different place now than I think we were. Again, this goes back to the conversations you and I have had, whereas historically it's it's not i mean we're called marketing or you have the marketing department but really it was just the advertising department right right and you know when you're talking about marketing well then you're talking about the product itself uh, the promotion of it which you know again we've done uh, the price the placement you know etc and so you know, it's just it's just a different world we live in, and um, the responsibility, like we mentioned earlier, the responsibility of this all is uh, quite daunting uh, sometimes if you think about it. But if you uh, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're in the industry for the right reasons. You know, you can do some really meaningful work. You can, and then the other thing is this advent of having all this longitudinal data now available to a digital marketer. I mean, uh, sure, strategic planning was you know parsing data and understanding where there might be good investments for your healthcare system, but you know, digital marketers using a CRM effectively and, and pulling in longitudinal data and maybe even looking at like what Facebook insights, what all the data that can provide, all the insights that, that Google can provide. This allows us to build. Build, um, a better picture of our customers uh, so that we can, you know, we can start to understand their trends or preferences. We even start bringing in socioeconomic things like what their favorite magazines are or what, you know, what radio stations they listen to, <laughs> because now we have access to all of these, this data as digital marketers. And it's our responsibility now to bring that into the organization so that we can start to use that data more effectively. Yeah. And ethically. Right. Yes. And ethically. Yes. Which we'll get to in a future episode for sure. Yes, we will get to it. And, and that's a little foreshadowing maybe, but we have an interview coming up in, in, in coming weeks that'll, that'll touch on some of that. Uh, you want to think that people that know this much about you uh, will use it in, in the right way. Uh, but anyway, more, more to, more to come on that. Um, I think it's just, 
the more we know about folks, obviously, from our side, the idea is that we can better serve them and, and you know, be able to connect with them a little bit easier. But man, it's it's changed a lot. Well, it has changed. And the last thing I think we could close on this before we jump to that great interview is the fact that we talk a lot now about consumerism in healthcare. And if you go out there and you start to define consumerism, what do you think are the top characteristics? Things that digital marketing impacts, right? Online experiences, um, right. how people are, you know, we compare ourselves often to Amazon and, and you know, make it the, the ease of like Apple <laughs> yeah. and things like that, right? This is all right. digital marketing, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, as digital marketers, we help define consumerism for hospitals and health systems. We were some of the earlier people that were talking about this way back when, when they were just like, consumerism, really? Well, now it's upon us. And that's been driven from a digital marketing perspective. There you go. Well, let's uh, let's break there. Um, we're going to cut to an interview here with uh, Brian Davis from uh, Scorpion. Uh, he is actually in their their Dallas office, and uh, going to talk a little bit about digital philosophy. Had a great conversation with him a few weeks back. Those that were uh, in Chicago just a couple weeks back may have also had a chance to visit with him. Without further ado, let's cut to that interview, and then we'll be back after the conversation. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today, I'm fortunate to be joined by Brian Davis, who is the Senior Vice President of Healthcare over at uh, Scorpion. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Hey, Reed. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. I've been a fan of your show for a while, so it's, it's great to be here. So thank you for having me on. Awesome. Well, fellow Texan, or you live in Texas. I live in Texas now. I'm not really a Texan, I don't guess. I mean, well, I'll take that back. I was born in Texas, so I guess I can claim it. But Yeah, see, I was, I was born over the border in Louisiana, so it's hard for me to accept sometimes that my daughters are both Texans, but uh, I guess <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to that. Thanks for coming on. Uh, for those that are not familiar with uh, maybe you or Scorpion specifically, what's the quick elevator pitch of what you guys do and, and are about? So Scorpion Healthcare is an organization that's been in the business of helping hospitals and healthcare systems uh, present themselves online for over a decade. And it's really in the area of hospital digital presence is really what we call it. It's all of the ways that a consumer might experience a hospital or healthcare system on the web, all of the infrastructure and technology and services that go into allowing a healthcare system or hospital to leverage that, to connect with more patients, broadcast their message and really serve their community online. And as your show helps bring clarity to this, to this area, it's not an easy equation all the time. And certainly it's a place where there's a lot of moving pieces and things like that. And so Scorpion over the years has assembled a set of technology and, and services and, and uh, expertise around really giving healthcare systems uh, what we hope is an advantage online and helping their, reach their patients and really simplifying that entire equation. Yeah, there's there's lots of options out there, um, and so you mentioned you know clarity and and trying to kind of make sense of it all. You know, you and I were talking before we hit the record button a little bit ago, but you made mention about you know really people work in healthcare because there's some sort of a calling, and we usually equate that to people on the clinical side of the equation. But I thought it was interesting, you know, just kind of your viewpoint of just really everybody that works at the hospital or in the healthcare industry probably is doing it because they feel kind of that mission driven pull. 
pull, right? I mean, this is this is something that's definitely not lost on us or at, at Scorpion Healthcare, and certainly I can speak for myself. It's it's not lost on me how important it is what we do. Because unlike other forms of marketing, I mean, it's not like we're marketing consumer electronics or movies or the new Tesla. Any of those things are great things to market as a marketer. But in terms of what we're dealing with here, it's never lost on us that there is a person at the other end of that equation that could be in a storm of uncertainty. In our world of healthcare, we have to acknowledge that most of the time people are not looking for what we we have to offer. In fact, they're not even really interested in it. But when they are and when they become aware or become interested, that they're arriving at that that moment probably with a lot of fear. And so it's incumbent upon healthcare marketers and, and for organizations like ourselves to make sure that all the details are put together and that things are done as efficiently as possible and that no dollar is wasted. Because one dollar wasted is one patient that maybe doesn't get that click or if the website isn't on point and the page renders too slow, the person leaves and doesn't find the answer they need. Or if the budget for the PPC campaign runs out and it doesn't reach that person whenever they're you know, in the, in the operating room or in the waiting room of a hospital across town, they're looking for answers and they don't get that answer and they don't get connected with the doctor that they need. That can, that can be the difference in somebody's outcome. So there is a liability on all of us as healthcare marketers to really do this stuff right. And, you know, I think that's where, where some of the things that we've, we work with some of our clients in terms of getting to a core set of principles with which we're going to use to govern our business, give us a lens to look at all of the different things that come at us at any given time, right? I mean, I think the last, um, last survey I saw, I saw this list of 5,000 marketing technology companies in 2018 that are all, you know, trying to sell you something, trying to sell something to all kinds of marketers. And it's, it creates a huge cloud of confusion. And honestly, Rita, I, mean, I think that's what you and Chris have been doing a great job of doing is kind of shining a light into the, into the confusion by having conversations around this. Otherwise, our industry is kind of left to this cloud of confusion, which in many cases, I believe it leaves, leaves these organizations a place where they're so confused and so uncertain that they kind of just default back to the status quo. And we know that the status quo is not going to serve these healthcare organizations and also is not going to serve these patients out there. So really is incumbent to try to find some clarity in that storm of uncertainty for even ourselves. You mentioned kind of the core principles and trying to find that clarity. And so uh, let's talk about just some of the things in, in kind of this. And you mentioned it earlier, kind of off the air, but the digital constitution, if you will. I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put it. You know, kind of what that looks like, because you're right, there is an anxiety in this equation. Whereas if you're looking for season tickets for the Mavericks, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's not it's not the same heightened level of need or anxiety or uncertainty or you know, what's on the other end of this journey for me as a season ticket holder right, <laughs> versus right. me me as a patient. Let, let, let's talk about those principles and kind of how you guys think about that. And I have to say, I mean, a lot of this was driven out of some work we've done, some of our largest clients, uh, large regional systems that, I mean, had the challenge of, you know, bringing together 17, 18 different hospitals and 300 different medical groups and 10,000 physicians. I mean, as you might expect, and this and some of these have happened in the midst of mergers and acquisitions, 
anybody that's been through that and any of your listeners that have been through that know of the level of confusion and uncertainty that even happens internal to an organization about what's the brand going to be, who, which doctors are aligned where, how do we rationalize service lines and the portfolio and We've still got competition that's now trying to try to come into our market, like all that complexity and, and uncertainty. And meanwhile, you've got people trying to convince you to do one thing with technology and you've got internal stakeholders saying they're important, more important than other stakeholders. So you end up with this just massive confusion, which is kind of operating in that world of confusion is kind of the opposite of that calling we talked about, right? Which is what we are always looking to do is free up our healthcare marketing executives to get back to the doing those things that only they can do, which is tell the stories, which is connect with patients and do it in a way that's aligned closely and in many cases emotionally to their brand and to what they're doing uh, internally. But when we work with some of these clients, and this kind of goes back a few years, we had one client that was in that situation, big mergers, acquisitions that were going on. It was really driven out of this idea that there were going to be competing interests, everybody jockeying for different positions and things like that. And so the digital team and the executive there said, look, we got to get clear on what's going to be our, and it, and it started out as the Ten Commandments, and then it kind of became the digital constitution. But it was this idea that you're going to have this set of very core principles that are going to govern the way we're going to look at the business. We're governing the way we're going to look at technology, going to govern the way we operate in terms of the choices on how, what we do, and maybe more importantly, what we don't do, what we invest in and what we don't invest in. When things come at us, then we're always going to be able to come back and go, look, well, appreciate your idea. And let's go back and see if it fits within our digital constitution or the Ten Commandments or however you want to frame it. That served them very well in navigating that storm over the next couple of years. We've actually taken this and evolved it even further, and, and, and it's actually driving this model that you might hear us talk about, you know, kind of in the future, this idea of hospital digital presence, which is really a maturity and kind of business model uh, framework that allows you to look at these things. But it really started um, with some things that you might expect. One was they said, we're going to seek to serve the patient first. Now, as the first principle, you go, well, of course you would. But we all know that in the course of these types of projects, that many times in competing interests will come in and say, we think that our service line is more important than the other service line. So we need you to do this. By having this as a core principle where we say, we're going to seek to serve the patient first, what they're able to do is say, okay, you can submit that and we can look at that, but you have to be able to justify how that perspective or how that suggestion serves the patient. I saw this played out one time in a big design reveal one time where we had a presentation revealing the design and there's this you know, beautiful design that we were doing done for this, this organization. We revealed it and the, it was one of these big conference rooms, right? Big horseshoe table, all the executives around the CEO, all the service line leaders, everybody there, big party. Revealed the design, everybody's oohs and ahs. They love it. It's amazing. And then they start going through it and they notice that, hey, wait a minute, cardiology is above oncology over there. And then the, the oncology service line leader kind of gets, starts asking, well, why is mine over there and not there? And why is it lower down on the menu? And all of a sudden, immediately, as you might expect, and maybe you've experienced, Reed, the meeting started to kind of go off the rails. Like everybody's kind of started jockeying <laughs> for, for why is my service line where it is and all this. And our project manager did a brilliant job of reorienting the room. She said, okay, going forward in the ground rules for the meeting, here's the ground rules. Appreciate everybody's input, but going forward, you've got to be able to justify how what you're suggesting serves the patient. And if, as long as you can do that, it's fair game. And immediately it shifted the energy of the room from one that was becoming internal focused 
ego focused to yeah, other what about me to other focused and that other focus is so core you know that's why this is part of this set of principles is to keep an other focus alignment an outward facing alignment in certain terms of our principles and the way we think about technology what the, the second one that came that came in was just simply valuing simplicity over complexity oh man <laughs> right there's a million things we can do but there's maybe only a few things we should do and the frame there is simply does what does this channel does this activity do these systems does this purchase does it increase simplicity or decrease simplicity and that will be a frame that we are always looking for but not only internally but also do these choices with the way we're setting up our externally facing web experience do they increase complexity for the patient or the visitor or the family member or do they reduce complexity it's a tough one, right? Because simplicity is hard, especially when you talk about the issues with interoperability and some of those things that we have right now. Yes, it would be nice to make appointments online, but if it's creating nine more clicks versus right now they just call a phone number, do we really want to go down that path until it's at this level or this point? And it's so easy, right, when we're so close to the technology and we, we can feel the ambition coming on board to go, hey, we, we can do all this stuff. But like you said, if the maturity of the technology or the process or even operationally isn't there, then it's a question of, okay, even though we could do it, does it really serve the patient? Does it really reduce complexity? And again, that's where, hey, if we have principles in place, then we can go back and it's not something I feel. It's something I can go back and go, okay, here's our principles. I know I'm aligned to what our core principles are. Another one they had was they're going to find things that are built for healthcare. And they said, wherever possible, we're going to invest in technology that's been built specifically for healthcare. It's easy to go out there and kind of look for technology and kind of try to piecemeal things together. But wherever possible, we're going to try to find something that has been built for, with the needs of hospitals, healthcare systems in mind from the beginning of it. Save some of the overhead and cycles that are involved in trying to bring things from maybe other industries and make them fit into the healthcare world. If we can find things, not obviously you can't find everything, but if, you, if there is an option, we're going to defer to that, that, those options. Just from a technology perspective, try to keep things as low overhead as possible. They also just said things have to be real time. They're moving from a place of where most of their data and most of the things they experienced were a spreadsheet that somebody sent. And they said, wherever possible, it's got to be real time. Uh, in this today's day and age, like we should be able to expect real time data, not data that's a month old, month old or quarter old or just on some spreadsheet. We want to be able to see it real time and be able to really give ourselves some actionable intelligence wherever possible. They also said <clears throat> we want to be culturally competent. And then the way they interpreted that is, is being able to know the culture and speak the language of their unique communities. Now, in this particular case, this client was is in a very diverse area. And so from one hospital to, to the next, they had distinct ethnic communities that were very tightly knit and focused, but, but it would be very different from one area of their community to another. So you know, they deployed some things with localization, language localization, things like that. We're going to speak the language of our unique communities. We're going to be able to, whenever they arrive, they're experiencing, hey, we know you, we see you, and we're going to speak your language. I like that. A couple other ones that they talked about was uh, just being nimble and fast. Everything that they, they did, they said, we, we can't be bottlenecked by technology or lack of capacity. Their vision for the way they operated was not one of everything is a big project, everything is a big experiment. They wanted to be able to have standard processes, standard playbooks that could be deployed at will 
based on the needs of the organization or based on opportunities they saw that come up came up in the marketplace. That was a core thing. They said, everything we build, if we do this, does it does it increase our speed or slow us down? Again, another frame to look at. And then they said, look, in terms of operations, they said that wherever possible, we're going to look for, for managed services. Like we're not going to try to do everything in-house that is not core. Like we want to keep our people's capacity doing the things that only we can do. And that's connecting with service line leaders, connecting with patients, looking where looking to see where marketing can make an impact inside of the business and really going becoming much more front-footed in terms of their approach and their posture with the rest of the organization. So many of our marketing friends at these hospitals are always kind of on the back back foot with uh, executives or service line leaders coming to them and saying, market me, market me. And, and they're kind of in this reactionary mode where they're kind of trying to keep people happy at the same time of stay on course with what the strategy is. And a lot of times that's because they just don't have the personal capacity. God bless these, these, these folks that, that are at these hospitals, because we all know they're doing like 10 different jobs at once at any given time, right? They're doing crisis communication, internal communications, external communications, <laughs> advertising, marketing, business development, community events. They're doing all this stuff at once. And so fixing the website, updating physician photos, like not value add, right? So wherever possible, they're going to get, they're going to defer to finding services outside of the organization that can just handle those non-value added things. Probably the final one was just always being what they did forward leaning, which basically said, wherever possible, we're going to be in a place where we're going to go where the attention of our consumers is. And we know how fast that changes and can change, but we're going to be in a position where we're not stuck doing tactics from three years ago, but we're going to be in a, in a position where we can pivot and go and again, not be limited by technology, not be limited by lack of capacity in terms of our team uh, and, and be in a place where we can go where they're going. I think that, and then I'd say one more, one more that was, was important to them was just being future-proofed. They talked about this idea of so many times there's all this effort, millions of dollars going into building these huge infrastructures. And then by the time they're finally built, they're out of date. So having a continuity strategy where it's less of a big enterprise approach, big enterprise, one project that moves the world and then hopefully it lasts forever but really being more of one that says, okay, here's our continuity plan that we're already thinking about what happens in three years and what happens after that and how this thing, how things migrate. And so it's a much more dynamic approach. So that's like the I-35 thing, right? Where it's just, uh, for those not in Texas, I-35 is a big highway, runs runs up and down the state and they're never going to finish. Or w- once you're done, you're, you're starting back over. That's that idea of being future-proofed. It's funny when, when I hear you talk through some of these you know, the very first one, you know, which is, you know, seek to serve the patient first. It's kind of like if you do that, well, then you are going to value simplicity or you are going to want to be nimble and move fast. You are going to want to add value based on what it is that you uniquely can offer to the equation and things like that. You know, so some of these actually, you know, I feel like probably build on each other. Being future-proofed, well, I mean, that, you know, real-time data is going to going to play into that. And so is being nimble and fast, quite honestly. And, and you know, we, we've always heard the, you know, fail fast and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think all those are valuable ideas. But I think really, you know, especially the one that you started out with, the one that they, they started out with, which is seek to serve the patient first. A lot of these could all, you know, probably nest underneath that. The lesson here is and obviously everybody is going to have some probably variation of these things and, and some that we didn't talk about it and they're going to be unique to your organization. And there's, you know, there's going to be things that change. I think the most important takeaway 
is just simply having them written down, having agreement within your team. And, and obviously, that's just to be booked, backed up by some strong leadership and some strong executive kind of, yes, this is the way we're going. I think that's a common theme that I've seen in uh, all of our clients that have really moved the needle is it's always had a strong executive frame that said, here's our founding principles. Here's our, here's our guiding principles that we're going to base everything that we do off of. Now, let's go. We can't take credit. This is not Scorpion. This is this is a good executive, man. Just good leadership is what it is. But when we see that, and when an executive does that, says, "Here's our principles built, you know, with the team using things like this, or seek to serve the patient for first, and they apply this lens against the digital marketing world. It just has provided so much clarity. And in that clarity, there, what they're able to experience is decisions happen faster. Decisions have more confidence. They're able to to endure." through a lot of the noise and potentially political forces that might be working for their own interests. And the net result of that is these, these teams move faster, they deliver more value, and, uh, and they frankly put their organizations ahead of their competition. Certainly seen this played out in some of our, uh, our larger clients over the last, I really can think of a few in particular that just stand out of operating this way, and it really is a competitive advantage. Well, and you probably get buy-in, right? And that, that's the hardest part is if you can get everybody to agree that here are the rules of engagement and then that's abided by, then you know everybody should be bought in. And it's probably easier to get things accomplished and you know cut through some of the noise. I think these are great takeaways and even I think you know we like to leave people with with something that they can go do. And I think that was a really great one that you suggested just now, which is, you know. Start working through this, like write some things down and you know, start meeting with the leadership team and say, listen, you know, we want to put this together. You know, does everybody agree? Yeah. And as long as you, it had starts with that other focus energy, that other focused approach of like we're seeking to serve the patient first. That's going to guide everything we do from that. We're going to value simplicity over complexity. We're going to be culturally competent. We're going to invest and keep our people focused on core things, and we're not going to invest in things that are not core to our operation. We're going to try to find integrated technology. We're going to find things built for healthcare. All of those things, as long as they're married up to this idea of we're going to seek to serve the patient first, it's a very powerful frame, and you're not going to get a lot of pushback on that. But these things aren't just written down somewhere, right? They're not on a piece of paper. They're in people's heads, and it's kind of what we know in the back of our mind that is there. But just simply the act of putting it on paper as a document, I mean, there's something powerful, just writing it down. The Bill of Rights, right? The Ten Commandments. When it becomes written down, it becomes real. And so one thing that you might be able to take away from this, you know, today's episode would just simply go down. And even if it's just you personally, what are your governing philosophies with the way you think about marketing? And maybe it's just your own personal Ten Commandments, your own personal guiding principles. And you probably have them. You just maybe have never written them down. And just doing that could be something, a powerful, powerful gift that you could give yourself. Brian, thanks for uh, spending a few minutes. I think these are great. And probably uh, a lot of these points, if not all of them, could be their own episode in and of themselves. But if people want to reach out or connect with you, uh, what's what's the best way for them to do that? For Scorpion, you can go to scorpionhealthcare.com. You can find out about all the stuff we do there. Uh, technology and services, um, some really game-changing technology we've brought to the market in the last uh, last 12 months or so. But in terms of me personally, you can reach out to me directly. My email address is brian.davis at scorpion.co. That's B-R-I-A-N dot D-A-V-I-S at scorpion, 
Co. Shoot me an email. Find me on LinkedIn. You can search Brian Q. Davis. I think there's only a few of us. So I uh, would love to connect with anybody that's out there. And thanks again for the opportunity to be here and keep the message going. You and Chris are doing a great job. Appreciate all of the clarity you guys are bringing to, uh, to the industry as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, having you back on in the future. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks so much. All right. Well, special thanks to Brian Davis and the folks over at Scorpion all these months later. Uh, certainly appreciate him. I, you know, there's just that idea of building a digital philosophy, I think is really interesting and something that certainly as we start getting closer to the new year, maybe a little downtime over the holidays is worth uh, kind of thinking through. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's do a couple of recommendations and we'll uh, let everybody get back to their, uh, to their turkey and dressing. Reed, I'm going to recommend something that's kind of apropos for today's holiday or this week's holiday, and it's a book. I may have recommended this way back when in the first year that we were doing the show, but it's a book that I turn to every so often as something that's inspirational. Sometimes I use it as a way to just spark ideas. Sometimes when I feel like I'm in a slump or whatever, I just open up this book and flip to a page. The title of the book is called 14,000 Things to Be Happy About by Barbara Ann Kipfer. And uh, it basically has just little things, quirky, compulsive, enchanting lists of little things that are designed to make us happy. For example, turn to one page here, just coincidentally, pumpkin bread jumped out at me here. Well, there you go. Or uh, flipping to another page, places where you need a tundra buggy or a snow cat. Huh. Okay. So if you ever need a book that can inspire ideas or, you know, can get you to think about something that makes you feel happy or just, you know, something that just break your mind, like foodie traveler hotspots or theater parties, this is the book for you. 14,000 Things to Be Happy About by Barbara Ann Kipfer. I strongly recommend it, having it on your bookshelf, particularly one near where you work. No, I like that. I like that. Very cool. I am actually going to recommend a smart home device. Didn't have a lot of, I know there's different brands in it, but I don't have a lot of experience with them, but like these uh, automated door locks, like for your house, you know, like the deadbolt kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's one called Kevo, K-E-V-O. And I know there's other ones out there. I think Nest may even make one or something. Anyway, you know, I had gone to a football game, rented a condo uh, in recent weeks or months or whatever. And the people that we rented it from were able to just send us through, you know, we downloaded the Kivo app. They were able to like send us the key, basically. They could only make it, you know, available for the times that we had rented the place and that kind of thing. I just see that it's cool, certainly, if you have a second home or a rental or something like that. Also, with kids, as they get older, you know, everybody's going to have smartphones, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, things like that. And that's a great way that, obviously, they can continue to access the house when they get home, even if you're not there. Just just that convenience. Anyway, it's really kind of cool. And you can see when people come and go and all that kind of fun stuff. So... Uh, so I encourage people to check those things out. Certainly uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I'm sure these types of things are on sale. So Kivo. Better go out and get it now because of the supply chain. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, get it now, folks. Get it now. Hurry to your local Best Buy. There you go. I love it. Love it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hope everybody had a great or is having a great Thanksgiving, had a great Thanksgiving, about to have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, certainly appreciate uh, everybody's willingness to tune in and all the support over the years. So Chris Boyer, I am Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. 
This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.